السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد ونصلی علی رسوله الكریم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم رب اشرح لي صدری ويسر لي امری واحلل عقدتا من لسانی یفقهوا قولی ربنا زدنا علما اللهم صل وسلم على نبينا محمد باب العلم قبل القول والعمل knowledge is preconditional before speaking and action meaning a person must gain knowledge before he speaks and before he does something why because if he does not gain knowledge then he is prone to making mistakes what's the evidence of that liqawlillahi ta'ala due to the statement of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fa'lam annahu la ilaha illa allah no that there is no god worthy of worship but allah fabada bil ilm so he began with knowledge Meaning in this verse, the first command that is given is which one? Knowledge, of gaining knowledge, fa'lam. وَأَنَّ الْعُلَمَاءَ And that indeed the scholars. Now Imam Bukhari is mentioning a hadith. However, he does not mention it with a sanad, but he just mentions a part of it. وَأَنَّ الْعُلَمَاءَ And indeed the scholars, who are they? Whom they are? وَرَثَةُ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ وَرَثَةً They are the heirs, those who inherit from. Who inherit from who? Al-Anbiya, the Prophets of Allah. What do they inherit? Warrathu, they inherit al-ilma, knowledge. Meaning the scholars are the heirs of the Prophets and they inherit knowledge from the Prophets. Man akhadahu, whoever took it. Akhadah, to take. So whoever took that knowledge, akhadah, he took bihaglin with a share that is wafit, that is abundant, that is ample. Meaning whoever takes knowledge, whoever gains knowledge, then in fact he is of the heirs of the prophets and he has taken something that is indeed very great. Akhadah bihaglin wafit. Waman salaka. And whoever went on, whoever journeyed on. Tariqan, a path. Yatlubu. He seeks. Bihi through it. Ilman knowledge. Then such a person, سَهَّلَ اللَّهُ لَهُ Then Allah will make easy for him, طَرِيقًا أَبَاثْ إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ To paradise. In this statement we learn that the prophets of Allah, they leave behind knowledge, they leave behind ilm. And what knowledge is that? It is the knowledge of the deen, it is the shari knowledge. And whatever wealth they do leave behind, that wealth is sadaqa, Meaning it is distributed as charity amongst the people. And there is great wisdom in the fact that the families of the prophets did not inherit any wealth from them. Why? Because if wealth, their possessions were transmitted to their families and people would also transmit leadership or prophethood or some authority to their family members as well. And we know that in our deen, authority, leadership is not something that is inherited. It is given to who? Those who are deserving. We see that Nuh his own son did not believe. So the families of the prophets, they did not inherit wealth from them because there is great wisdom behind that. And we see that there have been some fabrications amongst the Muslims such as that Umar anhu he deprived Fatima anha from her property. This is all incorrect because if there was any property that was her share, you know, we learn from this hadith that the prophets, they did not leave behind any wealth, right? What did they leave behind? They left behind knowledge. And that knowledge was learned by who? By the scholars. And we see that the scholars, they inherit from the prophets ilm. And this ilm is not just information, but rather this ilm includes amal as well as da'wah. Three things are included in this. Ilm, knowledge. Secondly, amal, 
meaning how to act upon that knowledge and thirdly da'wah meaning calling people to that knowledge as well because this is exactly what the prophets brought information action as well as da'wah and so the heirs of the prophets what did they do they inherited everything from the prophets and if a person only takes knowledge if a person only gains knowledge information but he does not learn he does not bother to how to implement that knowledge nor does he call other people to it then it is like a person who gains wealth but he does not benefit from that wealth because for example an heir someone who inherits some property from another what does he do with that wealth does he just let it sit there no he has to use that wealth and sometimes he will also invest that wealth so that it grows if a person just sits with that wealth then this is a waste similarly the scholars they don't only inherit information from the prophets of allah but also amal as well as da'wah and we see over here in the statement the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam also said that man akhadahu akhadha bihadhin wafir that whoever takes knowledge and in fact he has taken an abundant portion an ample share an ample share of what of goodness of khair because this knowledge what will it lead him to it will lead him to amal it will lead him to action the performance of many righteous deeds and thus great reward in the hereafter if you look at the chapter heading what is that that al ilm qabl al qawli wal amali so what's the relevance of this statement under this chapter heading that knowledge is what takes a person to action and when a person has gained knowledge ilm shar'i then in fact he has taken أخذ بحظ وافر Why? Because it will lead him to abundant goodness. How? It will lead him to action which will be a source of great reward for him in this world as well as in the hereafter. And then it is mentioned that وَمَنْ سَلَكَ طَرِيقًا يَطْلُبُ بِهِ عِلْمًا سَهَلَ اللَّهُ لَهُ طَرِيقًا إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ That whoever goes on a path seeking knowledge then Allah will facilitate for him the path to paradise. What does it mean by this? that Allah will facilitate for him the path to paradise what is the path to paradise the path of amal when people will enter jannah what will they be told this is the paradise that you have inherited because of what you used to do bima kuntum ta'malun so amal and what is it that facilitates a person to do amal it's knowledge so the person who is seeking knowledge is in fact on the way to paradise and allah will facilitate that way for him because he will know how to obey allah what to do what actions to perform what is it that will take him to paradise because everyone is journeying towards the hereafter there are some people who make the best out of this trip who make the best out of that journey and what is it that allows them to do that knowledge it's like a person who's taking a trip to another country he knows how to gain bonus points how to gain advantage of the different offers how to, you know different coupons and so on and so forth he will take a lot of advantage of that trip why because he had knowledge and another person who doesn't have much idea what's going to happen he's going to come back empty handed or he's going to come back not with much experience so what is it that allows you to gain more from a journey knowledge so the one who is seeking knowledge he is in fact on the path to paradise And over here, tariq has been mentioned in the statement that وَمَنْ سَلَكَ طَرِيقًا يَطْلُبُ بِهِ عِلْمًا What does it mean by this path? That whoever goes on a path seeking knowledge. This path, this tariq is understood in two ways. First of all, tariq that is hissi and secondly, tariq that is ma'nawi. What does it mean by hissi? Physical. Meaning a person is physically journeying somewhere in order to gain knowledge. So for example, a person goes out of his house and he goes to the place of dars, the place of study. 
So that is a physical path that he has adopted, a physical journey that he has taken. Now that journey, because of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will facilitate his journey to paradise. Allah will make his journey to paradise easier. Secondly, this tariq is ma'nawi, meaning it is intangible. What does it mean by this? That a path to gaining knowledge, a way to gaining knowledge. So for example, a person studies a book. Why? In order to increase in his knowledge. So that is a journey as he's reading the book from the beginning to the end. So throughout this journey, whatever effort he's putting in, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, because of that, facilitate his journey to paradise. If you think about it, gaining knowledge, it is something that is difficult. It is something that is challenging. Especially when a person has to physically go out of his house. You may compare, you know, your weekdays with your weekends. On the weekdays you have, you know, much more work to do compared to on the weekends. Why? Because on the weekdays when you come to the school, you have to leave your house. You have to, you know, do so many things. You have to sleep less perhaps. You have to take less rest. You have to eat less maybe. So it does require a lot of sacrifice from a person. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is most appreciative. So if a person goes out in the way of Allah to learn deen, Allah will make his way to Jannah easy because of that. Similarly, going through a journey of knowledge, meaning journeying through a course, for instance, that is time consuming, isn't it? It requires a lot of effort from you. Sometimes drains you out of all of your energy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again is very appreciative. If a person is journeying through a course, hmm, gaining knowledge, through a book, studying from the beginning to the end, Allah will facilitate his path to paradise because of that. And we know that the path to Jannah is surrounded by thorns, by difficulties. So similarly, the path to gaining knowledge will also be surrounded with challenges and difficulties. This is part of the package. But those who accept it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant them success. That knowledge, when a person gains knowledge, then this will open up the ways to goodness for him because he will know what to do. Like you may have seen that before, for example, the month of Dhul-Hijjah came and went. If you didn't go for Hajj, yes, you didn't go for Hajj. What are you supposed to do? Nothing. But now that you have knowledge, you know about the great virtue of the first 10 days of the month of Dhul-Hijjah. So you take advantage of that. So the path to paradise has been made easy. Because a good deed performed in those days are very much liked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Isn't it so? So the path to paradise has been facilitated. Why? Because of gaining knowledge. Then a person finds shortcuts. Hmm? Then a person finds you know, ways to uh, go forward very quickly. Make the best of that time and opportunity. Then, وَقَالَ جَلَّ ذِكْرُهُ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ That indeed it is only those people who have knowledge from among his servants who fear Allah. إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ Indeed, only he fears Allah. Who fears Allah? Min ibadi from his servants who? Al-ulama, the knowledgeable ones. It is those people who have knowledge who have khashiyah of Allah. And khashiyah is more than khawf, meaning it's different than khawf. Khawf is fear of something because of knowledge and also without knowledge. You know, it could be real fear and it could also be just imaginary. Like for example, a person sees something black on the wall and he gets afraid. Is it a spider? Or is it just a black dot? Huh? This is what? Khawf. This is because of knowledge and also without, because of assumption. Right? But khashiyah is fear that is based on knowledge. That because a person knows, this is why he is afraid. This is why he is careful. 
And khashya is fear that is not just, it is not just fear, but it is also respect. Because knowledge leads to both things. Fear as well as reverence. Respect. So, who is it that has fear of Allah, the right kind of fear, has great respect for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Who is it? It is those people who have knowledge. Question. Which ulama are these? Knowledgeable ones. Which ones are they? Which kind of knowledge do they possess? The knowledge of sharia. However, we see that even knowledge of the ayat kauni, knowledge of the ayat kauni, because remember, ayat are of two types, ayat shari as well as ayat kauni. Ayat shari, like the book, the scripture, the revelation, the deen, the sharia. Ayat kauni, the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Both types of knowledge lead a person to fear of Allah when they are acquired in the right way. When this knowledge is acquired in the right way. For example, if a person is learning anything about you know, for example, the universe, solar system or the water cycle or the, you know, the plants or the animals or anything about earthquakes or clouds, anything in nature, anything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. If he learns about it correctly, putting it in the right perspective, then this will definitely increase him in the fear of Allah. Isn't it so? This will increase him. This is why we see that in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions so many of ayat kawni as well. Because that ilm leads to khashiyah. It leads to amal. Beneficial knowledge, right? Knowledge that leads you to the ma'rifah of Allah, the recognition of Allah, that will increase you in your, in your khashiyah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ Why is this mentioned under this chapter heading that الْعِلْمُ قَبْلَ الْقَوْلِ وَالْعُمَلِ Why do you think this verse has been mentioned under this chapter title? What's the relationship? Fear is amal al-qalb. It's an action of the heart which makes a person either say something or do something, or both. Or it stops a person from saying something or doing something. It's a driving force as well as a restraining force. Khawf. Fear is like that. And it's amalul qalb. How does it come? It's a result. It's a result of what? Of knowledge. So, al-ilmu qabul al-qawl wal-amal. Knowledge is what will lead to this fear. وَقَالَ And he said, وَمَا يَعْقِلُهَا إِلَّا الْعَالِمُونَ And none will understand it except those with knowledge. None will understand what? Examples that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives in the Qur'an. وَتِلْكَ الْأَمْثَالِ نَضْرِبُهَا للناس. These examples are mentioned for the people in the Qur'an. But who will understand them? It is only those people who have knowledge. So the examples are presented for everyone to benefit from, but it is only the knowledgeable who actually understand them. There are many who read them, but not everyone understands them. Who understands them? People with knowledge. And when they understand, that leads them to action. That leads them to doing something or saying something. So we see that fear, amulul qalb, is a result of ilm. And aql, understanding. This is also a result of, this is also a result of, Ilm, where fear is the result of knowledge, aql, understanding, this is also a result of knowledge. Because the more a person gains knowledge, the more better his understanding becomes. And we see that aql is what leads a person to action. No knowledge, no aql, no aql, no action. So it all starts from knowledge. وَقَالُوا And they will say, لَوْ كُنَّا نَسْمَعُوا If only we had heard, أَوْ نَعْقِلُوا Or understood, مَا كُنَّا فِي أَصْحَابِ السَّعِيرِ We would not have been of the inmates of the blazing hellfire. Who will say this? The people of hellfire will say this when they're admitted into the fire of hell. When they're admitted, the angels over there, they will ask that, Alam yatikum nadir, did a warner not come to you? 
and they will say, of course, they came to us. But we rejected, we did not believe. If only we had heard, if we had understood, we would not have been over here. If you think about it, the way to action, the way to action, it is through what? Through ilm. And the way to ilm is through samar, through listening. And through aql, understanding. You gain knowledge how? What's the source of knowledge? Listening. You have to listen. And this samar, this is not just of hearing sounds, but rather it is of faham, it is of understanding, and inqiyad, and submission. It is not just merely hearing sounds, but accepting what a person has heard, understanding it and implementing it. Because we see that the people did hear what the messengers conveyed to them. But did they accept it? Did they bother to understand it? No. So if a person has not heard, he has not understood, he has not accepted, he will not do any action. So the ways of attaining knowledge are what? Summer and aql. And we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَذِكْرَ لِمَنْ كَانَ لَهُ قَلْبٌ أَوْ أَلْقَ السَّمْعَ وَهُوَ الشَّهِيدٌ that surely in it is is a reminder for who? The one who has a heart, meaning a heart that is alive, that is awake, that is sensitive. Or he hears while he is present, meaning he pays attention. So such a person will take benefit from what he is hearing. And he has said, Are they equal? Who? الَّذِينَ يَعْلَمُونَ Those people who know وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ And those people who do not know Allah is asking us This is a question What's the answer? That no, they are not the same Those people who have knowledge And those people who do not have knowledge They are not at the same level Why? Because those who know Their amal is different Than the amal of those people who don't know There will be a difference in their actions There will be a difference in their qawl that وَكَيْفَ تَصْبِرُ عَلَى مَا لَمْ تُحِيطُ بِهِ خُبْرًا You cannot have patience over something that you don't even know. So those who know, those who don't know, they are different in their actions, in their behavior, in their words. وَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ And the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, مَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا Whoever Allah intends good for. مَنْ Whoever يُرِد He intends, He wants. Allahu Allah بِهِ with him خَيْرًا good. يُفَقِّهُ He gives him the fiqh. He gives him the understanding. فِي الدِّينِ In the deen. وَإِنَّمَا الْعِلْمُ And indeed knowledge is بِالتَّعَلُّمْ By learning. Knowledge is gained how? By learning. Over here, Imam Bukhari is only quoting the hadith. Hmm? He's not mentioning it with the sanad. He will mention it later on with the sanad. A slightly different version. We see here that مَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يُفَقِّهُ فِي الدِّينِ When someone is granted, a chance to learn the deen, to understand the deen, then this is a sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed a huge favor on him. Allah wants a lot of good for him. Knowledge means khayran. What does that khayran mean? Amal. Knowledge means khayran, meaning that a person, when he will have that knowledge, he will do some amal. And that will bring him khayran, good, in this dunya and in the hereafter. And notice the word khayran, it is nakira. Nakira to show the enormity. No, not any. Remember that tankir, a word is nakira for different reasons. Sometimes it is also for tafkhim to show the greatness of something. To show the greatness of something. So khayran, not just any good, but great good, a lot of good. So whoever Allah wants a lot of good for, then He gives him the understanding of the deen. You see, a person is given wealth. Yes, Allah has given him goodness. 
However, when a person is given knowledge, that means that Allah wants a lot of good for him. Because wealth will only benefit a person a little, right, in this dunya. And if he is wise enough to invest it in the hereafter, it will benefit him there, inshallah. But knowledge is something which will benefit a person in this dunya as well as the hereafter. So, مَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يُفَقِّهُ فِي الدِّينَ Therefore, this favor of Allah should never ever be taken lightly. If Allah has given us the opportunity to learn the deen, to understand the deen, then we should realize this huge blessing. And we should value it. We should never ever take it lightly. وَإِنَّمَا الْعِلْمُ And indeed knowledge is attained by التعلم, by learning. Knowledge is not attained you know, by someone at birth. No. Similarly, knowledge cannot be gifted. Somebody can gift you a book, but they cannot gift that knowledge to you. Similarly, knowledge cannot be transferred from one person to another like blood can be. No. Knowledge cannot be. Knowledge is not like food that you can simply you know, eat and digest and it becomes a part of you. No. You have to learn. إِنَّمَا الْعِلْمُ بِالتَّعَلُّمُ It is by learning. And for learning, what is necessary? Sabr. As well as, as well as, be consistent. Both of these are, are necessary. A person cannot attain knowledge lazily. He cannot attain knowledge half-heartedly. No, a person has to dedicate himself fully, entirely to attaining knowledge and then he will get something. إِنَّمَا الْعِلْمُ بِالتَّعَلُّمُ And this is why it is said that اِجْعَلْ كُلَّكَ لِلْعِلْمُ Make yourself entirely for knowledge, meaning dedicate yourself entirely for knowledge. And then some of knowledge will come to you, meaning then you will get something. And if you dedicate only a part of yourself for knowledge, then Then all of knowledge will leave you. It will not come to you. If you want to get knowledge, you have to give all of yourself. You have to be wholeheartedly into it. This is not something that you can do half-heartedly. You have to dedicate everything into it. Your time, your money, your energy, your strength, your mental capacity. Every bit of yours has to go into it. When you immerse yourself into it, then you get something out of it. And if you put a little of yourself into attaining knowledge, then knowledge will not come to you. It will not come to you. The more you strive, the more you will get. The less you strive, the less you will get. And we see that when a person dedicates himself, he puts in a lot of time, everything that he has into attaining knowledge, then he has something at the end. But if a person only dedicates a part of himself, then he comes out sometimes with nothing. وَقَالَ أَبُو ذَرِّلْ And Abu Dhar said, لَوْ وَضَعْتُمْ If you placed, if you placed الصَّمْصَامَةَ الصَّمْصَامَةَ Meaning the sword. If you would place the sword ala hadihi upon this, if you would place the sword on this, wa ashara and he pointed to ila qafahu to his neck, he pointed towards his neck. So if you would place the sword over here, and he pointed to his neck, meaning you were about to kill me, summa zanantu, and then I knew for sure that anni that indeed I unfidu I could convey unfidu. Nafada is to implement, to carry out, but it is also to convey, to transmit. And I was certain that I could unfidu kalimatan, I could implement a kalima or I could convey a kalima. Samirtuha that I had heard minan nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam qabla an tujizu alayya 
before that tujizu alayya you make it permissible on me meaning you you kill me okay meaning you you pass the sword on me la anfazduha surely i would definitely convey it surely i would definitely implement it meaning if i were at the verge of dying and i knew that i had a few seconds a few moments to convey to do something then i would take advantage of those few seconds and i would do amal on what i heard from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam i would convey to you what i had heard from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam this is how important the sahaba understood amal to be how necessary it is to do amal on ilm if you have even a few moments to act on the knowledge that you know do it even if it means you're going to die the next moment even if it means you don't have long to live you have a few seconds you can say something you can do something do it what do we think only if we have a lot of time only if everything is in our favor then we will do it and if we cannot do it perfectly then we're not going to do it this is not how we should be we try to attain perfection but perfection is something that we cannot attain because we are human beings we have been told saddidu wa qaribu try to be as close as possible as near as possible to perfection so even if you have a few moments a few seconds avail that opportunity avail that chance and we see that the scholars of the past even when they were extremely old and a visiting scholar came and he had some knowledge that they did not know what would they do they would run to their gatherings just like young youth would with their pens and their ink even when they were extremely old because they knew that even if i spend a few moments in learning in implementing in conveying it's worth it because every amal will be counted on the day of judgment and if i have one more to show a little more to show it's worth it and this is only possible when a person has ilm when a person has knowledge wa qala ibn abbas and ibn abbas said kunu rabbaniyin with regards to the verse kunu rabbaniyin bi rabbaniyin he explained rabbaniyin as hukama fuqaha hukama has also been transmitted as hulama both have been narrated hulama as well as hukama and fuqaha what does hulama mean it's the plural of halim and who is halim a person who is very forbearing very tolerant very patient very forgiving very calm meaning someone who does not react but rather he stays calm hulama fuqaha or or hukama what does hukama mean plural of hakim meaning judge the one who does hukum and fuqaha who are fuqaha plural of faqih meaning the one who has understanding understanding of what the deen so when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said kunu rabbaniyin ibn abbas radhiyallahu anhu explained rabbaniyin as hulama fuqaha that rabbani are those who have fiqh of deen and this fiqh of deen this understanding of deen this translates into hukum and hilm it translates into qawl and amal hukum qawl passing judgment hilm amal wa yuqalu and it is said ar-rabbani that the rabbani he is alladhi the one who yurabbin nas he nurtures the people yurabbi from tarbiyah what does tarbiyah mean to train to nurture to cause to grow so he is the one who nurtures people who who teaches them bisghar al-ilm qabla kibarihi with sighar al-ilm 
What is صغار صغير small basics basics قبل before كباره كبار كبير great major so the Rabbani he is the one who teaches simple knowledge before teaching deeper knowledge Rabbani is who? the one who teaches simple knowledge before teaching deeper knowledge what does it mean by simple knowledge? it is such knowledge that can be easily understood can be easily implemented the basics for example if a person is being taught grammar what's the basics that he should be taught? the first things that he should be taught ism fa'il harf harakat huruf these kind of words in the arabic language if you start by teaching abwab or if you start by teaching nah mubtada khabar what's going to happen people are going to freak out isn't it they're not going to learn anything so rabbani is the one who teaches simple knowledge before deeper knowledge simple knowledge is also you know something that a person can actually act on and deeper knowledge is something that is, you can say like theory, that has to be understood correctly, but it doesn't have much to do with, you know, action. Like for example, you know, if people are being taught something about the deen, what are the basics that they should know? For example, how to pray, how to recite the Qur'an. If you start teaching them advanced grammar before you even know how to read Qur'an, this is not correct. Because you see, Rabbani, this is from Tarbiyah. And what does Tarbiyah mean? To nurture, to train. He is the one who combines ilm with amal. So that a person can use that ilm and translate it into amal. He can also implement it. If the foundation is strong, only then a person can go further. But if the foundation is weak, if the basics are not clear to a person, then how can he go forward? So the foundation, to you know, way to going forward, the way to doing amal is understanding the basics first. So Rabbani is the one who teaches sigar al-ilm qabla kibari. He teaches gradually, starting from the basics, so that they can understand and implement and gradually grow. Because ilm and amal must go together. If a person is just learning, understanding and forgetting, then it's of no use. A person must be able to learn, understand and apply, benefit from that knowledge. Only then will that knowledge be beneficial. Before we continue, anything you'd like to add? Of course, when it comes to the knowledge of the deen, of course we should never ever take it lightly. We should take it very, very seriously. And you know, just because a person cannot attain perfection does not mean he doesn't attain anything. He does not do anything. Or a person thinks that since I cannot be perfect, let me be the way I am. No, a person must strive to be the best. He must strive to be perfect. But if he cannot do it perfectly, doesn't mean he doesn't do anything. You understand? That That the purpose of giving knowledge to a person is what? That he has goodness. And what is that goodness? Action. So when we have knowledge, we shouldn't just be... You know, feeling happy about ourselves that yes, I know this, I have learned this, I have studied this. Of course, that happiness should be there, but the main focus is that it should be in one's amal, because that is the goal. You know the basics, the fear of Allah, the love of Allah, and then start them with the like the other thing after prayer. You know, when they know what they have to do with the fear of Allah and the love of Allah, then they can go forward. Exactly. Bab ma kana Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to be yathawaluhum. He used to be very careful with regards to them. Yatakhawalu, you have studied this word in the Quran. It means to have responsibility for something or someone, meaning that you are responsible for taking care of them. So when you are responsible for taking care of something, you become alert, you become careful. So yatakhawaluhum, he used to be very careful with them, 
with who? With the people. With regards to what? With regards to bilmawi'illati wal-ilmi. With regards to admonishing them and al-ilm, teaching. So with regards to maw'ila and ilm, the Prophet ﷺ used to take great care. He was very careful. Kay so that la yanfiru. They would not feel aversion to it. In other words, he would not advise the people and teach the people all the time. He was very careful. He selected certain times, certain occasions, and that is when he advised them, that is when he taught them. Because if we taught them all the time, then what would happen? People would feel bored of knowledge. They would be averse to it. They would get tired of it. Over here, يَتَخَوَّلُهُمْ بِالْمَوْعِضَةِ وَالْعِلْمِ Two things are mentioned. What's the difference between the two? Mawi'ila is advice, nusr, as well as tadkir, reminder. And ilm, it includes mawi'ila. Ilm includes mawi'ila. Mawi'ila is like, you know, somebody, like for example, when the sahaba, when they were traveling and, you know, they were making the wudu very quickly and they did not wash their feet properly. So the Prophet ﷺ, he announced from a distance that three times. This was what? Mawi'ila. Okay? Ilm, instruction, teaching. So for example, the Sahaba would be sitting with the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ would teach them, sometimes by asking them questions and answering them and sometimes on their questions and, and sometimes just like that as well. So for example, once the Sahaba were sitting and the Prophet ﷺ asked, there is a tree that resembles a believer, which tree is that? Right? So he was teaching them knowledge. That was not Mawi'ila, but what was it? Knowledge. But remember that knowledge, it includes Mawi'ila. Ilm, Includes Mawrila. So the Prophet ﷺ would be, would take great care in teaching them as well as advising them so that they would not get bored. Because once a person gets bored, he is averse to knowledge and Mawrila, then he is unaffected by it. And we see that knowledge must lead us to action. Mawrila must have an impact on our heart and change our behavior. But if it's coming all the time, again and again, then what happens? It does not have that impact anymore. Then instead of benefiting people, we may be harming them. Instead of softening their hearts, we may be hardening their hearts. So it's necessary that we should become careful when advising the people and when teaching the people. And remember that this is the case with the average people, with the common people. What does it mean by that? That when you're addressing common people, when you're teaching common people, the masses, then you have to be very, very careful. Meaning this is something that you don't do all the time. But when it comes to Ahlul Ilm, when it comes to students of knowledge, people who have dedicated themselves to learning knowledge, they shouldn't say, oh, I should not go to school every day because I'll get bored of it. No, no. This is something that you have taken on as a you know main focus for yourself. So you have to dedicate yourself completely to it. For example, we see that Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, he was constantly learning from the Prophet wasallam. There were people who were Ashabu Sufa. They stayed in the masjid. They learned constantly from the Prophet ﷺ. They did not do anything else. So, was it wrong what they were doing? No. They were people who had dedicated themselves to learning knowledge. They were Ahlul Ilm. But when it comes to common people, when it comes to the masses, the average people, then you don't teach them all the time. You know, when you're sitting in the car with them, when you're sitting at the dinner table with them, when you're going shop, you know, shopping with them, constantly you're teaching them one thing after the other. They're going to say, you know what? Let's change the topic. Yes, I know that you learned a lot and you're overflowing with that information. However, you know, it's good to keep it within limits. Otherwise, people get bored of it. They don't want to hear it all the time.
So the Prophet ﷺ was very careful with regards to this. حدثنا محمد بن يوسف قال أخبرنا سفيان عن الأعمش عن أبي وائل عن ابن مسعود قال كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ابن مسعود ضلع عنه said that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم used to يتخولنا he was very careful with us بالموعظة with regards to admonition في الأيام in certain days meaning he would only advise us on certain days he would not advise us constantly he would not teach us constantly but rather on certain days why karahata due to dislike of asaamati boredom alayna upon us saama saama is from saima saima is to become tired bored fed up with something to be weary la yasamun they do not become weary bored so karahata saamati alayna out of dislike for what that we would become bored of it in other words that he would Be very careful with regards to advising us. He would only advise us on certain days because he did not want us to get bored of it. He did not want us to get fed up. And we have to become very careful as well. You know, for example, if you want to share something with your family members when you go home, you could perhaps set a certain time. You could perhaps set a certain action that all of you do together and at that time you share with them whatever you have learned. But the moment you see them, Until the moment you go to bed, if you're constantly talking, if you're constantly telling them, they're going to say, you know what? Be quiet. I have seen myself, mothers who are very eager for their children to learn. And what do they do? The child is trying to eat or drink something. And there she's lecturing. And the child is, you know, the son is going somewhere, the daughter is going somewhere, coming. And constantly the children are being lectured. Constantly. And it's as though those words, literally, they bounce back. To the point that they begin to dislike the deen, they begin to dislike people of the deen even. They don't want to go near a masjid, they don't want to go near a person who wears hijab. Why? Because the mother, the father is constantly, you know, advising them. You know, for example, just one thing, that I'm going to share only one thing with them, and at this particular time, you decide from before when they are willing to listen, when they want you to talk, then you will share one thing with them and they will ask you for more. They will ask you. And if you forget to tell them, they will ask you, so what did you learn today? We should use a, you know, a variety of ways as well to share the knowledge with other people. Don't just talk all the time. You know, you can show them a book, you can read a child a book, you can do so many different things, show a video, you know, share a small podcast, you know, that our brains, they do not have the capacity to continuously absorb whatever is being said, whatever is being shown. So therefore it is necessary that we limit what we say, what we share, so that people are actually able to absorb it. I'm just saying that uh, you should also do it with hikmah. And uh, if your kid has had a bad day or he was in a fight or he hadn't done the homework or something like that, and soon as he comes home and he said, you should have done this and done this, you know, because you're a Muslim and all of that. So they just simply turn off. They, you can say anything you want and they're not listening. So we need to see where they're coming from also. Let's continue. حدثنا محمد بن بشار قال حدثنا يحيى بن سعيد قال حدثنا شعبة قال حدثني أبو التياح عن أنس عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال يسروا يسروا make easy ولا تعسروا and do not make difficult وبشروا and give good news ولا تنفروا and do not make people averse do not turn them away Do not make them run away. Yes, Siru. 
What does yassiru mean? To make easy. Taysir. To make something easy. This does not mean that just to make something easy for someone, you make the haram halal for them. But it means that you create ease for them by telling them what they can understand, what they can remember, what they can relate with, what they can implement, what they can actually do. This is what taysir is. And taysir does not mean that just because a person, you know, finds something difficult to do, for example, a person finds it difficult to pray, so tell them not to pray. No. Taysir is too. You know the meaning of yusr, right? Yasara yusiru taysir. It is to facilitate, to make it possible for someone, to assist them, to cooperate with them, so that they are able to do something. So for example, when you're teaching something to someone, make it easy for them. How would you make it easy for them? By simplifying the information, right? Breaking it up so that they can understand every part of it. By presenting it in an organized fashion so that they're able to understand every point separately. By starting with the basics. Right? Starting with the information that they can understand. Using words that are understandable as well. Giving examples that are relevant. So this is what Taisir is. So for example, if a person, you know, has to pray, how can you make it easy for them to pray? So for example, with children, you you initiate how by telling them, okay, now alhamdulillah you're seven years old, you should start praying now because by ten, you have to pray all five. So from now, inshallah, this is your seventh birthday. From today, you have to start praying Salatul Zuhr and Salatul Asr every single day. You cannot miss. When they're eight years old, okay, now you have to start praying Maghrib as well every single day. You can never ever miss. Maghrib and Isha. Nine and Isha. And ten, you have to pray Fajr as well. Huh? So gradually build it up. Then you're facilitating it for them. But if at the age of seven, a child is told, you have to pray five times a day, Fajr at, at five o'clock in the morning, and Isha at 11 p.m., sometimes it happens in the summer, isn't it? So you're creating difficulty for the child. I remember this lady once asked my mother, that, you know, I find it very difficult to pray. What should I do? I just find it very difficult to pray. I still remember I was very young at that time. And I was very surprised that this woman was asking such a question because, I mean, if people don't want to pray, they don't pray. But this woman was asking, I find it very difficult to pray. What should I do? So she told her, just pray the fab. Just start with praying the fab. She said, yeah, I think I can do that. Because we make, you know, Isha 17 rakat and, you know, Zuhur also very long and, you know, all of the prayers, we make them long and difficult for people. So she said to her, just pray the fard. And she actually said that, yes, I can do that. So this is what yasiru means. But if you tell them, no, you know, you have to follow the sunnah as well. You have to pray every single sunnah as well. You know, sunnah mu'akkada and ghayr mu'akkada as well. Because you never know, you might be questioned about. I mean, make it easy for them. At least get them into the habit of praying. When quality will come, quantity will also come. But if you focus on the quantity, then you're going to make it very difficult for them. It's like a punishment system. I know like a lot of kids' parents, like they want to go to the park or they want to do something with their friends and their parents are like, no, you didn't read Quran today. Go and read Quran. Or, you know, you've done something horrible, so go read Quran now. Rather than using it as, you know, like a punishment system, use it like something good happens to them or something that they like or something they're happy with. Be like, go, let's let's go read Quran together. Using it as a reward system. Something that they associate the Or that because you did this, because you completed your Quran, because you read Quran, this is why we're going to go here today. We're going to do this today. So they're motivated to read more. So this is very true that we use the deen as a punishment system. 
that if the child has not you know done something then all of a sudden he'll be asked did you pray otherwise you do not remember as soon as you know they're watching some television or they're on the computer did you pray okay did you read quran you didn't read quran then how can you watch television how can you sit on the computer they're going to develop resentment for the deen like this we're instilling the hatred in this way so yassiru make easy facilitate make it possible for people don't impose it on them but make it possible for them wala tu'assiru and do not make difficult do not make difficult if you think about it the meaning was complete even by saying yassiru yassiru means la tu'assiru right but when it has been said yassiru wala tu'assiru then we see that ta'sir is being completely negated that never ever create difficulty no matter what situation no matter where never ever create difficulty Never make matters burdensome for people. Always facilitate for them. Always make it possible for them. Always help them. Yassiru wa la tu'assiru. And then, Bashiru wa la tunafiru. Bashiru. What does Bashiru mean? Give good news. What does it mean by that? Meaning give hope to people. Encourage them. Begin with the good news, not with the bad news. Give hope. Give encouragement. Wa la tunafiru. Tunafiru. Nafara, to run away, to feel averse, nufur, aversion. So, la tunafiru meaning do not make them run away. How can we make someone run away from the deen, from learning the deen? How? By overburdening them, by making it too difficult for them, by demanding something that is beyond their ability, by being too strict with them. Let me give you an example. In the weekend course, We, alhamdulillah, have completed the first half of the first years. Obviously, that means a test. But people are of so many different levels, so we decided to have a practice test for them. They had a practice test so that they were comfortable with, you know, what's going to come on the test, how they're supposed to study. This was what part of taiseed. Taiseed does not mean, oh, you don't want to take the test, don't take it. No, taiseed is facilitating it so that they're able to do it. Because they have come to learn Qur'an and, and if we don't facilitate that process, if we keep allowing them to not do one thing after the other, then they're not going to leave with the Qur'an. So we had the practice test for them. And then the students who performed really well, first of all, the group on average that did really well, we you know brought them in the front of the class and we gave them gifts. And three students who had done the very best, they were also given gifts. Why? Encouragement. Tabshir. Good news. Because when matters are facilitated and people are given good news, then they feel encouraged. They want to come forward. But if you tell them, oh, none of you did good. Only three people got a hundred percent out of the class of three hundred people. We could say that too. But this would be a means of nufur. Give good news so that people are encouraged. They're motivated. Don't give bad news because that's going to cause people to run away. Don't be very tough. Don't be too strict because it will cause people to run away. Understand, realize the capacity of the people, their strengths, their weaknesses, and assist them. If we only participate in what they are doing in school or the other activities, they are able to listen to us. We have to show interest to them as well. That I noticed, if you don't take interest in other things, they will not find interest in what we are saying. Very true. It's in order for them to take what you are trying to convey to them. Because if you are talking to kids and then you start talking about riba, what are they getting? they have no interest in that. So you have to understand your audience in order for them to take the knowledge and then put it into air. Very true. Because if you are talking about stuff that's not relevant to the people at all, 
and you're making them bored and they're going to not want to come again. Assalamu alaikum. I was thinking about uh, the hadith, wala tunafiru. Uh, me and my friend once we went to some Islamic school uh, to register her daughter for Hifz. So the daughter, she really liked that school and she won't do Hifz. And she was only nine and people over there, they said she can't, we cannot register her because she didn't finish Quran. The girl, she know how to read, but they refuse her. And after two, three years, the girl, she don't want, they accept her after two, three years, but the girl, she hated, she don't want to come back. I really feel bad about that. There was a, a student who accepted Islam, and uh, he was staying on uh, residence, and some people forced him, it was a month of Ramadan soon after, I think it was about two weeks after, they woke him up, they forced him to fast, and they took him for Taraweeh, and uh, at the end of it, after a month, um, after Ramadan, he came probably for a couple of weeks for Salah, and then he disappeared. He just did, changed his university, he disappeared completely. What he said, like, uh, when, uh, when you're studying Bukhari, it seemed really overwhelming. But when, when you read the Hadith, he's so, the Prophet the words are so brief, so easy to remember. Like, this is how he made ease for us. Like, we can convey his message because it's so brief. Assalamu alaikum. We have a Friday program, which is in the evenings. And the reason we started what that was with Ustaz's, you know, vision, though, is that uh, people, they don't directly want to learn the entire Quran. So we thought, you know, if we give them, you know, small, you know, small verses, you know, just small amounts of verses each week. Small one, verses. Yeah, like small lessons and, uh, you know, they would be able to absorb better. And subhanAllah, it's amazing. Like you see a lot of people coming to Friday class and then they enroll into the full-time programs. So, you know, if you ever, you know, want to tell people, you know, don't tell them, oh, come here for, you know, five days a week. You know, that's hard for people. So, you know, if you suggest to them that, oh, there's a class on Fridays, it's only two hours, you know, people are more likely to come to that. So, you know, you create ease for people and then eventually these people can, you know, be doing here and sitting in front rows and commenting. Yes. Bab man ja'ala li ahlil ilmi ayyaman ma'luma. Man ja'ala, the one who made, the one who appointed. Li ahlil ilm, for the people of knowledge, meaning those people who want to learn. Ayyaman days ma'luma noon. Meaning the one who appoints fixed days for the people who want to learn. Certain days are fixed. Many people are not learning all the time every single day, but on certain days. Why? So that they can learn on a regular basis, on a continuous basis. But it's not something that's done 24-7-365. So as a result, you know, they would be averse to it. No, it's done consistently, regularly, but, you know, with breaks in the middle so that they're able to Absorb. حدثنا عثمان بن أبي شيبة قال حدثنا جرير عن منصور عن أبي وائل قال كان عبد الله يذكر الناس في كل خميس. أبو وائل said that Abdullah and this is Abdullah ibn Mas'ud he used to يذكر he would remind meaning he would teach الناس the people في كل خميس every what is خميس Thursday. فقال له رجل so a man said to him. Ya Aba Abdul Rahman O Abu Abdul Rahman. Abu Abdul Rahman was a kunya of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. So he said to him, Lawaditu, surely I would love that Annaka, that you, the Kartana, you would remind us, you would teach us Kulla Yawmin every single day. If only we could have this class every day. Qala he said, Ama. Ama comes at the beginning of a sentence and it gives the meaning of verily, truly, indeed, oh yes. So he said, Ama, indeed, innahu yamna'uni, indeed it prevents me, min zalika, from doing that. What prevents me from doing that, meaning from teaching every day? That anni, that indeed I akrahu, 
I dislike an umillakum that I will make you bored of this. Umilla, this is from malal, and malal is weariness, tiredness, annoyance, irritation. So I do not want to overburden you with this knowledge by teaching you every day so that you get annoyed by it. وَإِنِّي and indeed I أَتَخَوَّلُكُمْ بِالْمَوْعِضَةِ I pay particular care and attention for what? بِالْمَوْعِضَةِ for advising you, for instructing you. كَمَا just as كَانَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ just as the Prophet ﷺ used to يَتَخَوَّلُنَا بِهَا just as he would take great care and attention in giving us maw'idah. Why? Makhafata out of fear of as-sa'amati boredom alayna upon us. So he used to instruct people, advise people every Thursday. You can think of it like, you know, a weekly halaqah. Okay? And people would come and learn from him and study from him. And he would also advise them. So a man requested that this should be done every single day. Because when you start going to such majalis, you enjoy them so much, you want them to be on a more regular basis. But Ibn Mas'ud, he said that I do not want to do that because I fear that you might become bored of it. And I'm following the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ in instructing you only, you know, once a week. Or not that often, but rather once a week. Now again, as I mentioned to you, that this is the way of who? The common people. Meaning when you're addressing the common people, when you're teaching them, when you're instructing them, then, you know, you advise them, not all the time, but sometimes. But when it comes to people who are learning knowledge, who are studying knowledge, then they have to do it on a regular basis. But again, that regular basis does not mean seven days a week from morning until evening. It could mean, for example, two days a week or four days a week or five days a week, depending on what the schedule of a person allows him to do. And again, it doesn't mean that from morning until evening, but for a few hours of the day, whatever a person can afford, can take out of his schedule. But it is necessary that a balance be kept. Because as soon as things go out of balance, when a person is going, you know, for example, to some work every single day, he's studying every single day, then it will affect him, it will affect his family, it will affect his well-being, and this is not correct. There has to be a balance. Where we know that gaining knowledge is something that is highly recommended, meaning and it's even an obligation on us to a certain extent. However, at the same time, our body has a haq, our family has a haq, and that should not be neglected. And primarily, a person should do this for the purpose of keeping his heart alive. Because if he's doing it all the time, every single day, then a point will come where he will not absorb what he is learning. He will just come across it and pass over it, and then go on to the next lesson and forget what was learned previously. And like this, you will not be able to get much out of all the effort that he's putting in. And you see, our brains, they develop habits, or our bodies, they develop habits. And when we develop a habit, then our brain does not need to work much to, you know, to perform that particular action. So for example, if a person is used to driving from his house to a particular destination, at the beginning he has to think, okay, I'm taking a right here, I'm taking a left here. But then there are times when you're driving and you don't even realize, how did I get here? You're an autopilot. Your mind is not working anymore. Isn't it? You're not paying attention. But you don't want that when you're learning the deen, when you're studying the deen, you go on autopilot, that your heart and your mind are not involved. No. So in order to keep your mind and heart involved, you have to take time. You have to take time. And you have to do it, yes, on a regular basis, but not all the time. Because if you do it all the time, then you will not be able to absorb all the information. It will just pass over. 
It will come and it will go. You will hear and you will forget. Bab chapter مَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يُفَقِّهُ فِي الدِّينِ When Allah desires good for someone, then He gives him the understanding of the religion. حدثنا سعيد بن عفير قال حدثنا ابن وهب عن يونس عن ابن شهاب قال قال حميد بن عبد الرحمن سمعت معاوية that I heard Muawiyah radiallahu anhu khatiban while he was a khatib meaning while he was giving a khutbah he was addressing the people yaqulu he said sami'tu an-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yaqul man yurid Allah bihi khayran whoever Allah wants good for yufaqihu fi ad-din he gives him the understanding in the religion wa inma and indeed not but ana qasimun i am a distributor I am only one who distributes. Wallahu yu'ti. And Allah is the one who gives. Walan tazala hadihi al-ummatu. Walan and never tazala. It will cease. Hadihi al-umma. This umma. Qa'imatan. One standing on. Meaning one upholding. Ala amrillah. Upon the command of Allah. Meaning this umma will always remain. Qa'imatan. Ala amrillah. It will always remain on the command of Allah. لا يضرهم None will harm them. Who? من خالفهم Those who oppose them. Meaning those who oppose them cannot harm them. حتى until يأتي أمر الله The command of Allah comes. Until the command of Allah comes. In this hadith, three points are mentioned. First of all, the great excellence, the great virtue of fiqh fiddin. The one who has fiqh fiddin, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has intended a lot of good for him. Secondly, that the giver is actually who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if what you are getting is coming through some means, whether it is something or someone. Like for example, you're getting money through your job. You're getting you know, rizq through a means. This is what? It's actually coming from Allah, even if it's apparently coming from someone or from something. But the actual giver is who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And thirdly, that there will always be some people from this ummah who will remain on the haqq until the last day. The first point has to do with knowledge, ilm. The second point has to do with in the context sadaqat. Because the Prophet ﷺ would distribute the sadaqat amongst the people and he would say that I am only the one who distributes it. In fact, it is Allah who gives you. Meaning don't think that this wealth is coming from me. It's actually Allah who is sending this to you. And the third point has to do with ashrat al-sa'a, the signs of the Day of Judgment. And we see that there is a deep relationship between these three points. What is that? That the one who attains understanding of the deen, the one who attains understanding of the deen, is someone who has been given a lot of khair from who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, this understanding of the deen, can a person get it by himself? No. It is something that has been given to him by Allah. It is something that has been given to him by Allah. So a person can only have knowledge, a person can only have understanding if Allah gives it to him. Hmm? The Prophet ﷺ said that, إِنَّمَا أَنَا قَاسِمْ وَاللَّهُ يُعْطِي So you may be learning through a book, through a course, through a teacher, however, who is actually giving this to you, who is actually providing this opportunity to you to learn. Allah. It is coming through some means, but Allah is giving it to you. It can only come to you if Allah allows it for you. And a person who has the knowledge of the deen, who upholds, lives by the commands of Allah, then he is of those people who are on the haqq. 
and there will be people who will remain on the haq until the last day even if they may be very very few but they will remain on the haq until the last day you see the connection in all of these three points how one leads to the other so what do we see here that knowledge understanding of the deen is a fadl is a gift is a favor of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the person who has been given the opportunity to learn yes he should be grateful to you know for example a teacher who is teaching him or the author of a book that he is learning from he's very appreciative however he should be most grateful to who allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because this is the favor of allah imagine may yuridillahu bihi khairan allah wants good for you allah wants good for you so you should be grateful for this favor we should be very very grateful for this favor because we could never ever avail such opportunities except with the aid of allah isn't it so that there are many other people who want to learn but they never have that opportunity they never find the way they never get that chance so if we have been given the chance we have been provided with the venue then we should be extremely grateful to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those people who are on the truth who are they those people who are of knowledge the last part of this hadith that walan tazala hadhi al-ummah qa'imatan ala amri llah la yadurruhum man khalafahum hatta ya'tiya amrullah imam ahmad ibn hanbal he said that if they are not the people of hadith then i do not know who they are if they are not the people of hadith then i do not know who they are so who are those people who will remain on the truth until the last day those people who are on the hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam it doesn't mean that this is a group of people who have you know who follow a particular fiqh who live in a particular land who follow a particular madhhab a teacher no it is those people who uphold the commands of allah and how is that done by clinging to the quran and the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam this is why imam ahmad ibn hanbal said if they're not the people of hadith then i do not know who they are because they are the ones who uphold the truth they live by it and they also pass it on And we see that where the Prophet ﷺ said that مَن يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يُفَقِّهُ فِي الدِّينِ It shows that on the other hand, if a person does not gain knowledge of the deen, if a person does not understand the deen, then he is depriving himself of, of خَيْرًا. That a person has the opportunity to learn, but he does not take advantage, then he is depriving himself. Allah wants good for someone, He gives him understanding of the deen. If a person does not take advantage, then who is he depriving? himself the one who has been given knowledge he has been given abundant good the one who does not have knowledge has been deprived of abundant good hal yastawil ladina ya'lamuna wal ladina la ya'lamun no there are some whom allah wants good for and there are others who have been deprived of that good so if we want to have that good what should we do learn the deen it's actually a mistake and a fault on our part when instead of giving the usr to people we create the usr for them and instead of being a bishara it become a cause of nafur for them that this is a fadl of allah this is a huge blessing favor of allah gift of allah and a gift is given with happiness right and it should be shown with happiness if somebody gives you a gift you show to other people oh my god look they gave me such a big gift you're happy you don't look exhausted and you don't look bored and you don't look like a great disaster has happened we protect all the blessings of allah that he gives us our wealth we protect we protect our children and so knowledge we need to protect as well and pass it on and wealth we use children we enjoy so how can we just keep our knowledge closed 
we have to benefit from it as well and pass it on as well. Bab al-fahmi fil-ilmi. Al-fahmi. Understanding fil-ilm in knowledge. What does it show? That knowledge is something that, yes, has to be learned. It has to be acquired. But along with learning, along with memorization, it also has to be understood. Because when can you apply knowledge? When you understand it. If you've just memorized it, then you won't be able to apply it. Isn't it? Like for example, if you know a person has, a child has memorized all of the multiplication tables. But they don't know what that means. Yes, two times two is four. But I don't know what that means. If they don't know what that means, will they be able to apply it? No. They have to memorize as well as understand. Only then they can apply. Only then they can benefit from that knowledge. حدثنا علي حدثنا سفيان قال قال لي ابن أبي نجيح عن مجاهد قال he said مجاهد he said that صحبت I accompanied ابن عمر عبد الله بن عمر إلى المدينة to Medina meaning I was with him on his journey to Medina I traveled with him فلم سنات أسمعه I heard him يحدث he narrated a hadith عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم from the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم إلا except حديثا واحدا only one hadith I was with him on his journey to Medina but throughout that journey he only narrated one hadith only one hadith قال he said what was that hadith that he said كنا we were عند النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم we were with the Prophet ﷺ, فأتيا, so it was brought. What was brought? Bijumarin, the spadics of a dead palm. فقال, so he said, the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ مِنَ الشَّجَرِ Indeed among the trees is shajaratan, a tree. مَثَلُهَا, its example, is كَمَثَلِ Muslim, Like the example of Muslim, meaning it resembles the Muslim. فَأَرَدْتُ, so I intended, Ibn Umar, and aqula that I should say, hiya nakhla, it is the date palm. Fa'ida, so since, ana, I was asgaru, the youngest, al-qawm of the people, fasakatu. So I remained silent. Qala nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, hiya, it is a nakhla, the date palm tree. That is what resembles the Muslim. Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he had fahm. He had understanding. And it shows that when the Prophet ﷺ asked a question, he understood it and he knew what the answer was. And perhaps he figured out what the answer was because of the jumar that was brought. That's, it's part of the date palm. Right? So that was brought, so, and that is when the Prophet ﷺ asked a question, so it had to do, you know, it had something to do with it. Right? So he figured out, he had fahm, he had understanding. But because he was young, this is why he did not speak up over there. And we see that later on, when people looked up to him for his knowledge, still he spoke less. This is understanding. This is fahm. That a person speaks less and does more. In the company of people who were elder than him, he was silent, out of respect. And in a journey where people were younger than him, and they wanted to learn from him, again, he spoke less. This is wisdom. This is true understanding. When a person only has information, knowledge, then he just wants to talk and talk and talk. 
But when a person truly understands, then he speaks less and he does more. Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he narrated only one incident. Why? Out of fear of ziyada or nuqsan. Ziyada meaning he did not want to do much. He did not want to narrate too much. The people would become overburdened. And similarly, he did not want to fall short in narrating to them. So he at least narrated one hadith. Because he did not want to bore people. He did not want to make them fed up of the deen so that they would lose interest. He followed the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. If you think about it, when people are traveling, is that the ideal time to teach somebody? No. Because when people are traveling, they're distracted. Isn't it? You want to look around, you want to have fun, you want to enjoy, you want to relax, you want to appreciate the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you were being lectured at that time, wouldn't you be uncomfortable? You would be uncomfortable. Because you can neither enjoy, nor can you learn. And you're just left with that feeling of guilt. So, look at the wisdom of Ibn Umar radiallahu Look at his fahm that when he was traveling as well, with his students, he spoke less. He did not overdose them. You know, he did not give them too much information so that they would get bored. And you see, he just narrated one incident and it was so relevant. Because when you're traveling through the desert, what do you see? Date palms. Isn't it? When you're traveling through the desert, you see a lot of date palms. So he told them something that would cause, you know, that would make them interested. It would be beneficial, something that they could reflect on, something that they could enjoy as well. You know, we think that when you're talking about the deen, you have to talk about a lot of like serious stuff. But the thing is that even when you're traveling and you're looking at different things, you can, if you have the right mindset, if you have the right thinking, you can relate that with the Qur'an, with the deen as well. Like for example, you could be just, you know, on a plane looking at um, clouds and you might be just saying, oh my God, there's such huge clouds. And you could also remember some verses in the Qur'an which describe clouds as thiqal, you know, heavy, mountain-like clouds. And you share that with the person sitting next to you. They get interested in the Qur'an. You have shared something as well. You're reflecting as well. And you're enjoying as well. Many times it has happened that, you know, whenever we're traveling together as a family, my mother always mentioned such things. And, you know, it teaches you what you cannot learn in a classroom. What you learn by experience in real life, you cannot learn that in a classroom setting. So, you know, when people are traveling or when we are, you know, going through our daily lives, then don't go on lecturing people. Give them information that is beneficial and relevant, that will make them think and that they can also enjoy. It's not too heavy. باب الاغتباط في العلم والحكمة الاغتباط What is اغتباط? It's from غبطة غبطة is to be happy When is a person happy? When is he delighted? When he has something Isn't it? When a person feels special that I have something that others don't have I have something very unique And when a person has something unique then do other people envy him? Yes, they do So غبطة اغتباط is to feel envy. But it is different from hasad. Hasad is what? Tamanni zawalun ni'mah. That you wish that the other person will lose that blessing. Ghibta is that you wish you also had it. Hasad is that you don't want them to have it. Even if you have it, you don't want them to have it. Ghibta is that you are okay with them having it, but you also want it. So, الاغتباط في العلم والحكمة Feeling envy, having desire for what knowledge and hikmah that others have. 
وقال عمر and عمر رضي الله عنه said تفقهوا gain understanding قبل before أن تسودوا that you are made chief gain understanding gain knowledge before you are made a leader before you are made a leader and Abu Abdullah he said that the companions of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam they used to study even when they were old so gain knowledge before you become old but even وَبَعْدَ أَن تُسَوَّدُوا And also after you are made a leader. What do we see in this chapter heading? First of all, اِغْتِبَاطْ فِي الْعِلْمِ وَالْحِكْمَةِ It is permissible to feel envious in these matters. That when someone has more knowledge than you, when someone has more hikmah than you, that the knowledge that they have, they're also applying it, which shows that they also have hikmah. And similarly, when a person has wealth, and they're spending it in the way of Allah, in beneficial means, then in that case also, a person may feel Envious of him. Meaning a person may also desire that he has the same. And Umar anhu he said, تَفَقَّهُ قَبْلَ أَن تُسَوَّدُوا What does it mean by this? That تَفَقَّهُ Gain fiqh, understanding of the deen, before تُسَوَّدُوا تُسَوَّدُوا is that you are made sada, Meaning you are made leaders, you are made in charge. So before you are made in charge, before you are made a leader, before you are given a position, what should you do? Gain knowledge. Why? Because if you don't have knowledge, if you don't have understanding, then instead of taking people into light, you'll be taking them into darkness. Instead of benefiting people, you might be harming them. This is why it's necessary that we equip with ourselves with knowledge before we go on to do something. However, it is also necessary that even after a person has become sada, meaning even after a person has gained a position of leadership, of authority, Still he continues learning. So, تَفَقَّهُ قَبْلَ أَن تُسَوَّدُوا وَبَعْدَ أَن تُسَوَّدُوا And also after you become a leader. Why? Because gaining a particular position of leadership does not mean that you don't need to learn more. No. You need to learn before and you also need to learn after. Because as human beings we forget. Isn't it? We come across situations that we don't know how to solve. Or we are human beings and we have hearts and the state of the heart keeps changing. Sometimes we feel jealousy, sometimes we feel pride, sometimes we feel you know, feelings that should not be there. So we are to continuously cure our hearts and that is only possible if a person is gaining knowledge. If we put a stop to learning, then we begin to fall backwards. We begin to fall backwards then. Then we will make mistakes. And we see that the scholars of the past, even though they had a lot of knowledge, still they would go and learn from others. So, وَبَعْدَ أَن تُسَوَّدُوا And we see that the Prophet ﷺ, he received wahi throughout his prophethood. Isn't it so? And Jibreel came and taught him so many times. It wasn't that the Qur'an was revealed to him at once and that was it. He did not need any more guidance, any more instruction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No, constantly he needed that. So how can we think that we will not need that? Gain knowledge before tusawwadu and also after you are tusawwadu. Imam Malik, he said that in al-qadi إِذَا عَزَلَ لَا يَرْجِعُ إِلَى مَجْلِسِهِ الَّذِي كَانَ يَتَعَلَّمُ فِيهِ That many times it happens that the qadi, meaning the person who has made the judge, when he's given his position, he never goes back to the majlis where he gained that knowledge from. He never goes back to the majlis where he gained that knowledge from. That taught him, that trained him to be what he is. 
And this is extremely sad. We can never ever think that once, you know, we have, for example, taken a particular course, studied a particular thing, and then we've moved on to become who we have become, that we never learn after that. No, it's necessary that we continue learning. A person must always look at himself as a student of knowledge, as a talibul ilm. The moment you start viewing yourself as a sheikh or a teacher or something like that, then that's it. You are not going to learn after that. Even if you learn information, you won't be able to benefit from it. So, tafaqahu qabla an tusawwadu and also wabarda an tusawwadu. Even in the secular world, if a person has a particular degree, he took it like four or six years ago and he's applying for some new work, he has to, you know, get some more training or certification or something or the other. Because only if he has, you know, reviewed, gone further, then he will get a better position. So, even in worldly matters, we cannot put a stop to learning. In dini matters, there's no way we can put a stop to our learning. Constantly we have to learn. And always, whenever you have, you know, studied from somewhere, studied anywhere, go back over there and learn and study there again. Like for example, you know, if you've studied from a particular teacher, Quran, they've taught you how to recite Quran, for example. Now, just because you, you know, have taken a very advanced tajweed course, don't forget that first teacher of yours. Don't forget their ihsan on you. Always remember them. And always go back to them. Meet them. Visit them. Ask them. Even if you know. Even if you know. And even if you think you know more than them, you know better than them. Because they're the ones who taught you first. And their ihsan on you is great. If they hadn't taught you, you wouldn't be here. So don't forget their favor. I've seen my mother, you know, her teacher... When she was doing her PhD, Sheikh Sarid Badanjigi, when she learned a lot from him and he was once visiting Pakistan, and the way she was asking him questions, I've never asked questions like that. You know, as if she was, you know, a very, very young student who didn't know much. She was asking one question after the other. She had a notebook with her, a pen with her, constantly writing, writing, writing. And this was in Pakistan where Al-Huda Institute is, you know, all over the country, so many different branches, thousands and thousands of students. She could have brought him in as a visiting scholar, but she brought him in as her teacher. This is something that is very important. The moment we think that, yeah, I know more, I know enough, that's it. When pride comes in, it will prevent us from learning. There should be no pride. No pride at all. And to keep ourselves humble, we should keep going back to where we started. And the statement of Imam Malik, it's very scary. That the Qadi, as soon as he's appointed, he does not go back to the majlis where he learnt. He never goes back over there because he thinks that he's too great now. And this prevents him from learning. So, تَفَقَّهُ قَبْلَ أَن تُسَوَّدُ وَبَعْدَ أَن تُسَوَّدُ Yeah, it could be pride in other aspects as well that could, you know, prevent you from learning. Okay, like for example, a person thinks that, yeah, now I'm older. You know, before I was very young, but now I'm older in age. Or I have this job and I work there and I volunteer over here, so this is why I don't need to go here, I don't need to learn this. This can also prevent a person. But can that pride prevent you? Of course it can. Because a person thinks I'm much greater now. How can I go and sit with these people who are learning? How can I go back to that you know, school or that class where everybody's sitting over there, they don't know anything. I've gone through the process. I'm you know, this person with this position. I'm not going to go back over there. Like for example, the example of the Qadi. He's a judge now. But he doesn't go back to the majlis where he learned from. So anyway, pride should not prevent a person from I mean, we should never let pride come in the way and prevent us from learning. To keep ourselves humble, we should keep going back and 
acquiring knowledge. And this statement of Umar radiallahu has also been understood in another way, which is that gain knowledge before you are made a leader, in the sense that before you become older. Because once you become older, then you have less chances to learn. It doesn't mean that once you become old, you can't learn. No. Old age should not prevent you. Your position should not prevent you. However, you do have less chances. Many of you may experience this, that you wish you have more time to study, but you don't have that much time. <laughs> Isn't it? Because you're busy at home, you're busy with your children, you're busy with your grandchildren, and you have other obligations. So before you reach a point where you don't have much time left, learn. And this is an advice that young people can especially benefit from. You know, we keep waiting. When I'm older, I will do this. When I'm married, then I will do this. When I have children, I will do this. Don't wait. Do it now. People say, you know, I will join a particular course after these many months. No, whatever opportunity you have right now, take it. Because you don't know what might happen then. Okay, inshallah, we will study the hadith afterwards. Tomorrow, inshallah. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.